We are back. We have another show for you guys today. Welcome to the Fantasy MLB Today podcast. My name is Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. And you can also go follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account, which is where this show will be posted from. And you will have throughout the season other fantasy baseball related content coming your way. Guys, I'm excited today to talk about pitchers because I used to be a pitcher and it is my favorite position probably in all of pro sports because the pitcher is just totally in control. Everything runs at his pace. So I've always loved pitchers. So I think I'm going to have a lot of fun today telling you guys about some pitchers that have new homes than they did a year ago and how those new homes will impact their value for this season. We're going to start with the biggest name that switched teams this offseason, arguably of all major league players, but certainly for pitchers, and that would be Mr. Max Scherzer, who is now a member of the New York Mets. So he's going off the board around pick 17, and that seems pretty okay. He's been so consistent for his entire his entire career that a middle second round pick feels fairly reasonable for Max. Um, there is some value further down the board in terms of uh, more pitchers, pitchers that might be a, a little bit safer, pitchers that are certainly younger than Max. Your Brandon Woodruffs and uh, Shane Bieber's are going later down the board than Scherzer. And I might be a little more comfortable with those younger guys, but the track record of Scherzer speaks for itself. And I'm kind of of the opinion that until he proves that he can't do it anymore, we have to assume that he can still, in fact, do it. Because even the second half of last season, I know he was playing for a fantastic team, but once he got traded to the Dodgers, he was 7-0 and in his 11 starts with a sub-2 ERA. And from what I recall, there was one or two starts at the end of the year where he got pretty rocked. So that ERA with the Dodgers should actually be a little bit lower than it is. I think it was in the 160, 170 range for a while. And he was actually a leading Cy Young candidate last year. So, I mean, everything points to another quality Max Scherzer season. The only thing you got to worry about is every year that ticks on is another year of mileage added on for someone who's already pitched 14 seasons. And you got to wonder how many more does he have in him. There will eventually be a drop-off. And one year you're going to draft him and it'll be a bad draft pick. And I don't necessarily think it'll be this year. He's gone to a good Mets team that was ninth in defensive runs saved a year ago, which is an improvement over both the Dodgers and the Nationals. So he'll have a bit of a stronger defense behind him. So there is there is optimism to think that he can have another elite season, another uh, top three Cy Young finish season. So that is definitely in the cards. And I mean... Pick 17 is a, is, a, is a high draft capital. It's a lot of draft capital to use for a player who is 36, 37 years old. If you're taking him, he's probably going to be the ace on your team, and you're going to have to rely on him as your number one pitcher. And again, it's it comes with risk. It is as great as he is. It does come with its share of risk because of his age. Now, he has not had an ERA above three aside from the lockout shortened season. It goes back to 2014. And on the lockout year, you figure maybe he didn't get stretched out enough. He didn't have enough time to fully come into his own. So 
we have a long, long track record of success, low ERA, incredibly high strikeout numbers. So uh, the bottom line for me is it's a fairly safe pick in the middle of round two. But if you don't draft Scherzer, you, you should be okay to still find some pitching value later in the second round. And in those couple of rounds before you start getting deep, I'd say before the fifth round or so, there's still a lot of value on the board in terms of pitchers. Now, in terms of his wins, he's going to a worse team, a little bit worse than the Dodgers, sure. Well, who knows how much worse they'll be. Definitely not as good as the Dodgers, so he may have a bit of a drop-off in the win column from what we've been accustomed to. But I think in the 15-win range, is still definitely within the realm of possibility. So uh, my final comment is you could draft him at 17, but uh, be careful. Be careful that you're not passing up on someone who's going to give you similar value. We talked about this yesterday. If you can save draft capital and draft someone with a similar skill set and ceiling a little bit later on, then you typically try and do that. And he's a little bit polarizing for me, Max, because I really love him as a pitcher. It's just the age. The only thing with him is the age. And I, I don't have too much doubt that he will have another good season. So it's a fairly safe pick there. Let's move on to Robbie Ray, who went to the Seattle Mariners. Coming off of a Cy Young season with the Toronto Blue Jays last year, he's bound to regress a little bit. He had the best season of his career last year. He had been an all-star another time prior, and he actually wasn't even an all-star last year. That's the funny thing. He wins a Cy Young without being an all-star. But he had a similar year to what he did in 2017 in Arizona. So he has shown flashes that he can do this in the past. The strikeout numbers have been elite. He actually has the highest career strikeout per nine inning, I believe, in the history of baseball, as insane as that sounds. He strikes out a crazy amount of batters, and that should continue. Whatever happened uh, with Pete Walker, the Toronto Blue Jays pitching coach last year, seemed to really correct what had happened uh, a couple of years prior with Arizona, where his ERA had ballooned into the fours and fives and sixes. And in the lockout-shortened year with Arizona, it was almost at eight, his ERA. So Whatever he did last year, he got things corrected. And I'm a little worried now that he has corrected it, that he is leaving the pitching coach that helped him get there. So Pete Walker is seen around baseball as one of the better pitching coaches and someone who will probably be a manager one day. Uh, I'm not I'm not very well versed in the Mariners pitching staff, pitching coaching staff. But I, I can't help but think of it as being a bit of a downgrade for Pete Walker. I'm, and I'm, forgive me, I don't have the name in front of me of the of the Mariners pitching coach. But just when you see that kind of success that he had last year, the kind of chemistry, and now he is, has to try and find that again somewhere else in the different home ballpark. Last year, there were three different home ballparks for Robbie. And now he's got to try and do that on a new team. So I'm not, I'm not totally sold that he's going to be the player we saw last year. The Mariners are a good team, but they're definitely not as good as the Blue Jays. So, I mean, he won 13 games last year, which wasn't a crazy high total. He could probably repeat that 13 wins. That doesn't seem uh, unattainable. Now, he's going around pick 42. Could end up being a steal at 42, or it could be a massive disappointment. It's kind of similar with Scherzer. There are safer arms a little bit further down the list that I would kind of prefer as much as I like Robbie and 
I've mentioned this a couple times. I am from Toronto, and there will be occasional Toronto Blue Jays bias here. I'll try to be as objective as possible, but there will sometimes be uh, the Toronto sports fan in me peeking through. Just something to remember in the background there. But where he's going in drafts, there are players, as you go further down the line, he's going ahead of Lance Lynn, Max Freed, uh, his old brief teammate, Jose Barrios, uh, Charlie Morton. There are pitchers who I feel about equally as confident about as we go further down the line without having to use a pick in the third or fourth round on him. Three, four, four, five, that kind of range round wise. I'm feeling kind of I'm feeling kind of nervous about Robbie. The more I think about it, I probably would be okay drafting him as like a strikeout specialist, but I would make sure he's not like your top pitcher. I would make sure you have one or two guys, at least one guy ahead of Robbie, because I'm not really expecting a repeat of last year. I'm really not. As great as he was, he's he's due to take a bit of a step back this year, for sure. And something that'll be kind of a common theme for me today is I'm mostly going to be fading pitchers who are in new destinations. Because of the different variables, Things, a lot of things change with ballparks and coaches and the defense behind you. So most of the time, I'm a little bit nervous. Even, I mean, okay, the defense, sure, it improves for sometimes when you leave a team for another team. But there are too many different variables a lot of the time for me to be fully comfortable taking somebody on a new team. Maybe if you're talking an an elite young starter who has switched teams, then I don't have as much of a problem with it. But I think for the most part, you want to stay with someone who is, on the pitching side anyway, I prefer a guy who is more tenured with one team because they're used to their settings, they're comfortable in their ballpark. They're comfortable with their coaches for the most part. So I'm a little bit more confident taking someone who's coming back to the team that they were on the year before as opposed to a new destination. That's in terms of pitching, primarily. Let's go to the next player we're going to talk about, and that was Kevin Gosman, who is another one who had a career year last year. And he could have been the Cy Young in the National League last year. He fell off a little bit as the season went on. But he had a good enough year where if he had won the Cy Young, I don't think it would have been shocking. He fell off a touch and his ERA ended up at 281. So that's what cost him down the stretch. He wasn't as sharp as he was early on. Uh, Similar worries to Robbie Ray. He's coming off a career year and changing locations. So there is a little bit of nervousness there. Now he is coming to a great pitching coach in Pete Walker. And his numbers last year were fairly similar to Robbie's, uh, minus that elite, elite strikeout total. Still a good strikeout pitcher, but not quite elite like Robbie Ray. I I feel pretty okay with with Kevin Gosman. He's going around pick 54, which feels maybe a touch risky, but I'm fairly confident that he can have a good season again. Now, last year was, uh, without looking at it, I believe a top 20, 25 season from him. I wouldn't have those kind of expectations again because that was that's as good as he's probably ever going to be, unfortunately. Now, he might maintain that roughly. Who knows? But I'm thinking last year was probably about as good as he's ever going to be, considering that 
his career, his ERA is over four. If you look back, uh, the best season he had ever had, other than last year, was probably 2016. 2018, partial year with Atlanta, he did well. But, you know, he does not have a, a track record. Gosman doesn't really have a track record that I would make uh, make a high, high draft pick on him. So if you can get him slipping down in the 60s, 70s, sure. Take a look at him. See what other options you have available. But I wouldn't be jumping up into the 40s to take Kevin Gosman. I am always really, really nervous about pitchers switching teams. And I'm, I'm going to drill that point into you guys' heads today. Um. There's some guys who are going a little bit further down, such as Max Fried, Trevor Rogers, and his teammate Alec Manoa, who I would feel a bit better about drafting, especially when you're getting that uh, a bit of a better discount with those players. So I feel a bit more confident with them. One other thing to mention is the Jays had a about middle-of-the-pack um, defensive run save last year. Now they have added Matt Chapman and subtracted Marcus Simeon. Which should make them, I mean, that you're adding a gold glover, losing a gold glover. I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to argue the fact that Chapman is a superior defender to Semyon. So the Chase probably will have a slightly superior defense to, to what they had last year. But all of that to say, essentially, that at pick 54, it just feels a little bit high. I feel like there are more options as you go further down the board. But let's move on to our next player we're going to be discussing, who is Eduardo Rodriguez, who left the Boston Red Sox to go to the Detroit Tigers. So they had the 26th ranked defense last year in terms of runs saved. Um, but he is getting an improvement in terms of going to Comerica Park as opposed to pitching at Fenway, which is prone to giving up a lot of home runs. Comerica is a massive ballpark. There are a lot of balls hit there, especially into right center field that would be home runs in other parks that aren't going to be at Comerica. So there is a ballpark advantage to pitching there as opposed to Fenway. Now, going to the Tigers as opposed to the Red Sox is not going to help your win chances as a pitcher. You're not going to win as many games there. You're just not. He's going, yeah, excuse me. He's being drafted as the 151st player off the board, which feels all right. But I don't want to be rushing to draft him there. It feels... I don't know. It feels okay. I don't I'm not expecting anything massive from him. He's a career ERA of 4.16. And now he's and he's always pitched on Boston. He's always been on good Boston teams with that kind of with those kind of numbers. So, going to the Tigers, it's hard to expect great things when you're when you're downgrading in terms of your the lineup that you're going to have be producing runs for you every night. Not that the Tigers, I mean, the Tigers have some potential with their prospects and bringing in Javi Baez. They have potential, but they're not going to be the Red Sox. I mean, he had the year where he won 19 games. That was probably about as good as he's ever going to be. If he can be that kind of player again, sure, then he's worth a pick in the mid-100s, mid, mid 100s, 150 range. But I'm just not really expecting that. His career, 416 ERA, 474 last year. He's never been a great fantasy pitcher, and it's hard to believe that now, having gone to a worse situation, he's going to just all of a sudden have a career year. It is a outlier possibility that he does have a good year. 
But I'm not going to be banking on that in my drafts. There are a lot more... I mean, there's not tons of value on the board once you get to pick 151. But there's there's value still. There are still good pitchers around that range. And to draft... I mean, the Tigers... He may, he's probably not going to be a drop throughout the year, but the Tigers are they're not going to be good. People have to be aware of this, and I don't know if Javi Baez was really aware of where he was going. I don't know exactly how much research was done there. I mean, maybe the chance to play with the young prospects, sure. But you have players, Michael Kopech, for example, Logan Gilbert, they're going off the board lower. Marcus Stroman, I feel a lot better with those kinds of names. I have more confidence than I do in Rodriguez, who I honestly don't have much confidence in. He gives up a good amount of home runs, which, granted, will be probably a little bit lower this year, but I'm not going to be jumping to draft him. I don't I don't have too much faith there. Now, I've been talking pretty much all about fading players, and I'm going to talk about one guy who I am actually really interested in drafting this year. And that is John Gray for the Texas Rangers. He has left Colorado in Coors Field, which is a, a big chance for him to turn his career around. He's never he's never been fantastic. His season last year was in line with his career with a four five nine ERA, and he's kind of bounced around between the mid fives to the mid threes in that range throughout his career. Now Texas, I believe, had the best defensive run save last year. Yeah, they had the best defensive run save number in baseball. And they've added a gold glover in Marcus Semien. Now, they have lost the, their former gold glove uh, shortstop slash third baseman, Isaiah Kanafalefa. But they should still be able to fill that gap with Semien and still have a top five defense. They should be in that range for sure. Now, leaving his bad Rocky situation to go to a good Texas situation is already a positive in terms of looking to draft him. But he's not going until pick 254. He is an afterthought in people's minds because of his mediocre at best production over the last few years. And he's being taken as the 71st pitcher off the board. There are 70 pitchers going ahead of him. So he could be great, great value low-key down in the draft. Uh, you got to measure your expectations a little bit. But at that point down there at 254, there's nothing to really be worried about. Most of the players you draft in that range, there's a good chance that they're going to be dropped as the season goes on anyway. After pick 200, depending on the depth of your league. If you're in a really deep league, then forget what I just said. But if you're in a 10 or a 12-team league, anybody you pick after 200 is... I mean, you might get lucky. But a lot of those guys are going to be going back to the waiver wire throughout the season as you realize... They're not great. That's what those late picks are for. They're to take flyers, really. A lot of people use those picks to experiment and maybe take a prospect or uh, someone who's coming off a bad year whose ADP has fallen. But I think Gray fits into that same vein of he's fallen. He's never been a massive fantasy value. He's not a big strikeout guy. But the win potential is there. The lower ERA potential is there. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be drafting him in a, in a couple of different leagues and a couple of different formats, and he's someone I would definitely keep an eye on. 
Let's move on to Carlos Rodon, who went to the San Francisco Giants. Now, he had a fantastic start to last year, and then he was injured, and there was a couple of things that happened, and he wasn't as great down the stretch. But he had a very good year for the White Sox, and he capitalized on the market, got himself, uh, I believe, $22 million a year for the Giants, so good for him. He's going off the board as the 97th-ranked player overall. Sure, I mean, it's all right. It's probably about what you would expect. I'm not going to be jumping to grab him there, but it's it's a pretty decent value spot for a guy who was a Cy Young candidate for a good while last year. I'm not sure why it's this low, really. I know it was an outlier season for last year. Not a great career before that. But he was an all-star. He was top five in, in Cy Young voting. He really seemed to turn it around. Now, again, there is the changed situation worry that I always have in terms of pitchers. But he is going to one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in the major leagues. So I'm not too worried about that. The Giants were just outside the top ten in terms of their runs saved. And they were higher than the White Sox, who I believe were 17th. So there will be a slightly superior defense in a slightly better park for him to be pitching in. So I'm not terribly worried about using a pick around 100 on him. You can go ahead and draft Rodon around that range. There is still value to be had later on, so don't feel like he's uh, in the must-draft camp. But he is definitely somebody who should still be getting drafted in the borderline top 100 range. He could go back to what we have seen before, but I'm fully expecting him to kind of be in that middle. He's not going to be what he was last year, but he's not going to be quite where he was before. So, I mean, I'm expecting an okay year. So around 100 is, is okay. It seems okay. He'll be on a good team who will be winning games. They're probably not going to be as good as they were last year, San Francisco, because that did seem uh, a bit unrealistic what they did last year. It seemed to be one of those uh, miracle seasons. They may, they Who knows? They might have a, a 30 for 30 film made about them in the future because it was just so strange. And they were, they were successful. So, and they've been successful, the Giants, for a long time. So it's hard to, hard to look at them and say they're not going to be. They have lost uh, Buster Posey, which will be a huge loss for them, for sure. But they should still be a good team. He should still be able to bring you, how many wins did he have last year? 13. That seems doable, again, to have somewhere in that range, for sure. So my bottom line on Rodon is that I would draft him with caution around pick 100. Um I wouldn't expect a repeat of last year, but I think that there is still potential for him to be a solid, a solid middle of your team kind of player for next season. So that will pretty much be our discussion on pitchers for today. Um, a couple of things I want to get to before we wrap up for today. There were two people who were instrumental in helping me start this podcast and have been absolutely fantastic in the process and they are dan bespris and you can find on twitter at d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s 
he does his daily fantasy NBA podcast where he completely keeps you up to date on everything you need to know about the NBA and about fantasy basketball. Uh, tweets throughout the day that will keep you informed on players to add, players to drop, injuries. Uh, that is pretty much, if you follow Dan on Twitter and you watch his podcast, you have everything that you need to know about fantasy basketball and you should be completely taken care of. The other person that I want to thank is David Williams, who you can find on Twitter at David W2111. He hosts the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast and covers Memphis, the basketball team. He has helped me tremendously on the technical side in helping me get my recording software going and everything. So those two guys, you definitely want to go follow on Twitter for fantastic content and follow both of their podcasts. You can find them on Twitter, once again, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and at David W2111. They have been fantastic in this process, and it has been a joy to work with them. Okay, guys, we are going to wrap up for today. Once again, my name is Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. And as the season goes on, you will get that same kind of analysis. I'm hoping to try and follow in Dan's footsteps and have the tweets and the podcast work in sync with one another. So you follow the podcast for the in-depth analysis of who to add, who to drop, players to look at going forward, stashes, things like that. And then you follow on Twitter so you get the the quick up-to-minute information, the quick um, notes in games, recaps, things like that. So you want to be following me there. And you also want to follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB, where we'll be tweeting out this show. And throughout the season, you'll have all kinds of other basketball and Jesus, listen to me, still talking about basketball. You'll have all kinds of fantasy baseball-related content throughout the season. So you want to follow us on both of those channels, and you also want to subscribe to this podcast so you can keep up to date on all the MLB fantasy news. Guys, my name is Joe Arrico. Thank you for listening today. Everybody have a great Wednesday. See ya.